Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. And we are continuing our celebration of Pride Month with the world's strongest gay, Rob Kearney. You heard it correctly, the world's strongest gay. Rob Kearney is a world's strongman competitor, recently placing 13th at the world's strongman event. And we're going to dive all into that competition his journey, as well as what it means to be holding that title and the challenges associated with being gay in such a macho world. And as you'll hear throughout it, Rob is handling it just fine. I had an amazing chat with him. His husband, Joey, popped on for a few minutes too, which was a welcomed surprise. And by the end of it, we were all laughing, having a great time. And I think that's what really makes all of our interviews special here at best hour of their day we bring to you the best coaches some of the best athletes but we break it down we have great conversations always open-minded always coming from a great place and this episode was no different we hope you enjoy and if you do enjoy please take a moment leave us a review over on apple podcasts share this episode or any others you love with your friends That's the best way to spread the word. And we appreciate seeing you sharing all of our content on social media at best hour of their day and seeing all of you guys download our 50 questions to ask at the whiteboard over at our website, besthouroftheirday.com. Thanks again for all the support. We couldn't do it without you. I'm excited for you to hear this interview. Here we go. Rob Kearney on best hour of their day. All right, Rob, I love the Mohawk. Is it still, it's hard to say in the dark there, is it still got the rainbow going on it? Yeah, still totally colored. So I didn't plan this purposely, but it's Pride Month. We, I was in Houston up until early this morning. I got home, uh, you know, in the middle of the night and they had insanity going on in downtown Houston. I mean, it was crazy. It just the streets were packed. I mean, I don't know what was going on, but we drove for miles and it was just people everywhere. That's awesome. Is that normal? Is that what's going on all over? Oh, yeah, yeah. With uh, with June being Pride Month, I mean, there's uh, Pride celebrations really going on all over the world, um, which is pretty cool. You know, New York is actually hosting World Pride this year. Um, you know, that's going on this week and ends on Saturday. Um, so there's literally people from all over the world flying into New York City to, to celebrate Pride and um, yeah, that's been going on, like I said, for the past month. So I was telling you beforehand, I'm just a curious person. So I have so many questions I want to ask you. You have two amazing avenues of your life that I want to die. And I'm sure you have more that I don't know about, but I don't even know where to start. Let's just mix it all up. So I was thinking about this. And again, I told you and anyone listening, you know that I love everybody, but I, so I never mean to offend, but okay. I grew up wrestling. And the the rule was, hey, no sex before competition. Yep. What's the what's the rule amongst gay men in in the world of competition? Is it does that rule hold true for for you guys? It doesn't hold true for us, and I don't think it holds true for any strong man competitor. <laughs> so you guys, I mean, in the strongman world, regardless of, of preference, you guys are all having sex the night before. 
Is that yeah, normal? but I also feel like that would distract me. Like if I have that like pent up sexual aggression, <laughs> I feel like I wouldn't be able to focus on the event and I'd just be thinking about that, you know, and not actually performing. So <laughs> I think that was like an old Rocky, women weak in knees and we kind of ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're the 13th place finisher this year's World's Strongest Man. I was telling you, I was doing some research, but they're a little bit behind the times when it comes to their site. I love watching the strongman competitions. I remember like Bill Kazmaier, the old school ones back in the day. Um, what can you explain to the people listening? Cause it's not just like an easy thing. Like you show up, what's the season look like for you guys? So you say you came in 13th, but there's multiple qualifiers to get there. Right. And then, and then my other question is there's like a ton of events. How do you know which ones you're going to have at each event? Yeah, you know, so the way with strongman right now is there's really um there's there's two big pro circuits in strongman right now. So there's um Giants Live, which that is the qualifying tour for World Strongest Man, and then then there's also the Arnold. Um the Arnold Columbus is, you know, the 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 strongman world championships. Um and then there's all, also the Arnold International events that happen throughout the year as well. Um, so really at the top level of strongman, most guys are competing in both, which means we're all competing a lot. <laughs> um, you know, so I was actually down in Australia in March, um, at the Arnold international in Australia was actually fortunate enough to win that competition, which qualifies me for Columbus in 2020. Um, and previously, you know, before that I had been doing some of the giants live shows to qualify for world strongest man, which, you know, fortunately I did. You know, but um, so I did the Arnold in March, and then two weeks later, I was actually in Leeds, England, competing at the Log Press World Championships. Um, you know, where where I was fortunate enough to you know actually break the American Log Press record there. How, what was and that? How, what was that? What was the record, and what did you do to break? So it? previously, the record was four hundred and sixty-five pounds on a log clean press, um, and I successfully lifted four seventy-one. Um, and you know, I was the, also the lightest competitor there, um, which was pretty cool. I know I was asking my buddy Merle, I, you know, for some questions for you. He loves you. He was in Bradenton watching yeah. and he was like, what's it like being 150 pounds lighter? I was like, that must be a typo. And it's I was cool. like, and I was researching, I was like, you're like 298 and Thor was like 430. I was actually, I was actually lighter. I was around 280 this year at Worlds. Um, last year I was like 298, um, slimmed down a little bit, was a little bit more athletic this year, um, and stronger, which is great. But, um, yeah, so I've been walking around about 280 for the past year. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm one of the lightest guys on the circuit, um, at this level, which is pretty cool. So it, it, you know, it sounds to me like it's similar to bodybuilding, almost similar to CrossFit too, where you have these competitions and you have to qualify to make it to the big stage. So Bradenton last weekend was the big stage. That was I feel like there's a disconnect because that's a huge event and I barely knew about it. Like world's yeah, strongest I mean, man needs to pick this up. It's literally, you know, like the Super Bowl of our sport. Um, you know, that's that's that competition is why we get into strongman. It's the one that we see on TV growing up as kids, and that's like the pinnacle. And um, you know, it's tough because as much of a competition um it is, it's to the the entities that own it, it is a TV show first um, and a competition second, which from an athlete's point of view really sucks. 
Um, you know, and that's why there really wasn't much press and info about the event. I mean, hell, I got my ticket to fly down there two and a half weeks before the contest started, you know, so, you know, really from all points of view, it was kind of a shit show to say the least. Um, and this year they, they tried a new format, you know, so typically world strongest man in the past, there was four days of qualifying events, then there would be two days of rest. And then the finals would take place six events over two days. So it was really like almost a, a week and a half to two weeks of competing. This year, we had three days of qualifying. And then on the fourth day, we went right straight into the finals um, with five events in one day, which typically strongman competitions are one or two day events with five to six events per contest. Um, you know, but with Worlds, it's, you know, the, the tough part about Worlds is like, it gets drawn out so long because of TV and it's just emotionally draining to try to like stay on all day. And, um, you know, and then they tell you to warm up and then like, Oh, no, wait, sorry. Production has to do something. Let's wait another half an hour. So it's just all these up and downs. So a lot of the listeners are going to be CrossFitters listening to this. What's, what's bigger CrossFit or strongman? CrossFit. Is it bigger th these days? Uh, by, by far. Um, you know, so like world strongest man, we were, this is the first year that we've been in the U S um, God, since uh, I think 2014 or 2015. And, um, you know, in 2016 and 2017, we we're in Botswana. And uh, I don't even know where that is. Yeah, it's in Africa. <laughs> um, and then in 2018, we were in the Philippines. Um, my first year was 2017. And if we had maybe 20 people watching each event, that was a big crowd. And um, kind of the same deal in the Philippines. But being in the US this year, we had probably three to 500 people in attendance for each event, which is big for world's strongest man. When you look at the contest in England though, like, you know, so I'm actually going over to compete at Wembley stadium in three weeks. That's two a big deal where queen played their big show. So we're going to be competing at Wembley in, in two weeks. And, um, you know, we're going to be competing in front of like 12 to 15,000 people, that's, you know, that's so really over in the UK strongman is massive. Um, but it really, I don't think it's really like kind of grasped that mainstream attention here in the U.S. Yeah. You know, for those that don't know Bradenton, it's not the biggest town, right? I no. mean, there wasn't much to do there. I mean, I've been across from Bradenton, so I know the area. Who was your strongman idol growing up? Um, you know, for me, ironically, it's actually um, the guy who's my coach now, Derek Poundstone. Um, you know, like I had always watched the stuff on TV and seeing Bill Kazmaier, Magnus Samuelson, Magnus for Magnus and all those guys. Um, and that was really cool. But, you know, it wasn't until I was like, I was like 16 years old. I was in high school and I saw World's Strongest Man. And that's the year that Derek actually took second place. Um, I was living in Connecticut. So he was from Connecticut and kind of made that connection and thought it was really cool. And once I saw that kind of going on, that's when I got the motivation to really start training a little bit harder and get into the sport. I don't feel like it's a sport you can just be like, I want to get into. You obviously have to be genetically, like I can't, it doesn't matter what I tell you, I will never be a world's strongest man. You're genetically predisposed. I mean, you're a big guy. But yeah, when yes and no. I mean, I mean, arguably, I would say I'm probably the least genetically gifted one at Worlds. You know, I mean, looking back, like I'm only 5'10". I'm not tall. And, you know, compared to all the other guys that I compete with. And like I said, I'm like 280 pounds. When I was in high school, I was walking around about 200 pounds. Um, so I really wasn't like a terribly big kid growing up. 
Um, I'm just really stubborn and <laughs> wanted to be good at the sport. Well, I'm going to give you a reference. I was 91 pounds in high school. Oh, um, so, so you were two of me. <laughs> now, but at what point did you realize, hey, I am pretty strong? Like, were you the kid in high school? Like, I remember the kid in my high school that was just like the strong football player that could squat 315. Were you that guy? Yeah. You know, like in high school, like, you know, I was, I was pretty strong, you know, like I think my senior year I was squatting around 400 pounds. You know, my deadlift was up around five and that was really just with like the, the football, you know, coach training. It wasn't like formal training. And like, ironically, I actually got into strongman because of CrossFit. Um, there was a substitute teacher at my high school who noticed me like weight lifting in the gym one afternoon said I was, you know, decently strong and I should start training with him. So I'd actually go to a CrossFit box at like five o'clock in the morning before school. And, um, they would coach me and like teach me the basics and kind of break down all my form. I really sucked at CrossFit, but I was good at the strong at like the lifting stuff. And, um, one day I walked in and they were like, Hey, by the way, there's a strongman contest this weekend. We signed you up for, and I had never tried anything. What box was that? So it, I don't believe it's around anymore, but it was um, Southeastern Connecticut CrossFit, um, kind of in the Norwich, Connecticut area. Um, so yeah, like I said, I was, I was going there, you know, before school and that's kind of where I got my start in a strongman. CrossFit, I believe has been integral in the growth of Olympic weightlifting. Would you say the same is true for a strongman? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, like, especially you look at the games and like, there's at least one strongman movement in every single games the past couple of years. Um, you know, they're having yokes, they're having the big, you know, the, the, the heavy balls, you know, I mean, you know, that are, they're going over the shoulder. Um, they're doing farmer's walks, you know, um, axle, they're using axle bars. So, um, you know, kind of seeing that integrated into the mainstream is awesome, you know, and, um, I think that's what's cool. You know, strongman has definitely grown in the past couple of years and it's getting more popular. And I think that's because people are realizing you don't have to be these massive giants to be competitive, that there's this entire lower, like this amateur circuit. And now there's actually pro, there's a pro, there's pro divisions at the lighter weight classes as well. Um, so, you know, like you can be just a, you know, quote unquote, normal sized human and not be one of these massive guys and still be involved in the sport and competing. Can we make it clear that 280 is not a normal sized human though? <laughs> that's not that's not normal for the I feel like it is since I'm so small compared <laughs> to all my friends. <laughs> well, in your opinion, what CrossFit athlete would make the best transition to strongman? Sam Dancer. Yeah, he'd yeah. I, he'd, I think it'd be pretty easy for him. You know, I mean the guy deadlifts, you know, what, close to seven hundred pounds now? You you think he can come and just hang, or you think he'd have to spend a couple of years? training the specific lifts? I don't think it would be a couple. I, I would say give it like nine to 12 months. And I think he could do pretty well. The, the questions, let me go through a couple of the questions that Merle asked, because they're a little specific to the recent competition. Yeah. Um, what's your biggest weakness going forward as you're preparing for the next season or, you know, England, like you said, what lifts do you have to work on? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's still glaring um you know truck pulls and keg tosses are my two weakest events um and that you know i i trained my ass off for the truck pull going into worlds this year and really thought i was going to do well on it and um that just didn't happen when it came time to compete um and you know kind of same thing with the throwing events it's uh they've always just kind of been a weakness of mine 
So um, those are the two big things moving forward that I'm really going to focus on over this next year. Um, I mean, I have a bunch of more competitions planned, but um, you know, with my coach and everything, we're kind of planning out how to really hammer those weaknesses while I'm still competing. You know, in the, in the CrossFit world, you, you're familiar, you have to be ready for anything. The, the, the people that are qualifying have no idea what they're going to face in Madison in August, but you have an idea. How many, how many options are there? How many different events are there? I was looking on the world struggling span. There seems to be like 20. You know, it's, it's, there's actually a lot more because there's variations of each lift, right? So when we're looking at just the overhead, for example, we can be using a log, an axle, a barbell, dumbbell, or a block. So there's five implements right there. It could be a medley of a few different implements to go through for, you know, do one rep on each as fast as fast as possible. It could be one implement to clean and press for max reps in a certain time limit. It could be for a one rep max. Um, you know, so there's options with each implement. Um, you know, and then there's going to be carrying events. So you're going to have sandbags or kegs or yokes or farmers um, or Husafeld stones. So there's those, there's deadlifts. So we can do a front handle car deadlift. We could do a side handle car deadlift. We could do, you know, an axle deadlift where the bar doesn't bend. Um, you know, there's always going to be Atlas stones. So we could do those for a series or for reps or for height sometimes. Um, so there's just so many variations upon every single different, you know, exercise that, you know, I think it's, it's hard to count the, the options that we have. So when do you find out what events you're going to face at each competition? Typically, um, we get about eight to 12 weeks with world's strongest man. We were given two days. So you, you're basically training for everything, but you have an idea so you know I need to be good at going overhead. I clearly need to deadlift. I have to practice my carry. So are you, is your programming done by Derek? And does it just kind of include all of that? And then you, when you show up, you know you've, you've at least practiced it in the past? Yeah, you know, I mean, this year before Worlds, like, you know, about, about six weeks before, we were told there was going to be a truck pull. Um, so we were certain about that event. Do you have a and truck that you pull, like, outside? I, I became really good friends with the firefighters in town. <laughs> so they just like, hey, I need to borrow the truck. Hopefully there's no calls. Yeah. Yeah. They were awesome about it. <laughs> they thought it was cool. Um, so, you know, so I got to practice for the truck pull a couple of times. Um, you know, we got, we, got gen we got a list of about nine to 12 events that they were going to choose from, but we didn't get the event specifics until two days before the contest. And that's when we found out. So like you know, in, in that list of nine to 12 events, you know, we found out there was going to be yokes and farmers. Okay. You know, looking back historically, the heaviest yoke worlds has ever done is about a thousand pounds. Um, and then we show up and we find out there's actually a 1300 pound yoke that we're going to have to do as well. You know, so that was a big shock to everybody. Does, does weight move weight? You know, that old kind of expression, like, I mean, is that, I beat Thor in that event, so <laughs> I guess deciding <laughs> factor on that. That's true. You would think though, like on the pull, you can lean into it. So, you know, yeah, you're at a slight yeah. disadvantage. When it comes to like truck pulls and stuff like that, yeah, I think weight does move weight. Um, to a certain extent, guys that are bigger than me, they can kind of throw technique out the window and rely on, you know, the extra 150 pounds of body weight they have. Um, but when it comes to events, you know, like farmers or a yoke or even static lifts, um, the weight moves weight argument kind of goes out the window a little bit because it's, it's less about momentum and more about just, you know, technique and raw strength. 
So what makes you so good at the log press? I split jerk. Um, I'm actually the only guy at this level that utilizes a split jerk to go overhead when it's heavy. You know, I have a really good push press. Um, you know, I can still push press over 400 pounds. Um, but when it comes time to going for a one rep max, yeah, I, I use a split jerk and I credit that to my CrossFit background. Do you realize how strong you are? Like, is that something you understand? Like I talked to a lot of great coaches and people and I feel like they're just like, ah, that th- you're humble and you're just like, that's normal. This is not normal to push press 400 pounds. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yes and no. I mean, you know, I get that I'm strong, but to me, like I haven't reached my goal, so I'm still not strong enough. All right. Hey, what, so what, what are your goals? Like what's a goal that you're striving to achieve? Um, you know, well, one that I still haven't reached, you know, my goal training for world's strongest man this year was to be top 10 in the world. And I, I just missed that this year, you know, um, with the way worlds was set up, I was in second place. And I mean, so the way with world's strongest man, you know, all the athletes are split up into five qualifying groups and only the top two go through to the finals. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have Thor, the mountain in my group. And, um, I actually only lost to him by one point in the qualifiers. Um, and you know, that one point equated to one placing higher on the truck pull or him going two seconds slower on another event. Um, and then had, had that had happened, I would have won the group and I would have beaten them and made the finals. Um, but I had huge improvements from 2018. So I'm really not too upset with my performance at worlds, but I didn't reach my goal of top 10. So for 2020, um, you know, the goal is, you know, break into the finals and stir some things up, you know, in talking with, you know, with my coach, he thinks like top five really isn't out of the question. Um, so that's kind of what I'm gunning for in 2020 is top five at world's strongest man. Um, and then also at the Arnold in March is, you know, top five finish there as well, which is considered to be the heaviest strongman contest on, on the planet. You know, I have had a lot of games athletes, CrossFit games athletes on here, and they're pretty honest in their assessment of like, I don't think I'm going to win. There's, you know, there are people that are showing up Matt Frazier, Tia to win is it similar in strongman? Are, are you going there like top tens in my, that's what I can achieve this year. Like I'm not actually looking to podium. Yeah. And that, but that's how I've been my, like my entire strongman career. You know, like when I started this sport 10 years ago, when I was 17 years old, um, I sucked. I re- I wasn't good. Like I took dead last in the first eight competitions I did. But dead last is still qualifying. It's like the worst CrossFit Games athlete is still better than anyone else. Oh, well, well when I was 17, I was, I was literally like at the amateur level, like taking last place. So I wasn't even like a threat to anything. Okay. And then, you know, about a year and a half later was when I qualified for my first amateur national championships. So I was like, okay, getting better. Um, went, I kind of went to the amateur national championships competing under 200 pounds at that time. So that was 2011. Um, and kind of surprised everybody and ended up taking second place my first time there. Um, and then 2013, I won the lightweight open division, which is 231 and under at the amateur national championship. And that's when I turned pro officially in 2013. Um, and then 2016 is when I made my transition to going heavyweight full time and competing at this level. And to be honest, like I didn't, even when I started competing heavyweight, I didn't know if getting to world's strongest man was something I could do. Um, you know, it wasn't until I, you know, was fortunate enough to compete at the Arnold in South Africa and I did pretty well there. I took sixth place and 
that kind of got the the notice of the the world's strongest man people and they they gave me a wild card invite to world's strongest man in 2017. Now how many calories would you say you eat on a given day? So a big training day if I'm being good and following what I need to do um, is about 8,000 um, and then like a non-training day again if I'm following it is around five. So 8,000 is that your husband behind you by the way? Yeah that's so just, um, So 8,000 calories I assume you're having some foods that are a little fun in there. It's oh, hard to eat 8,000 yeah. calories of fruits and vegetables. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, that's kind of the nice thing about strongman is we're not training for aesthetics. So but you look good. I mean, you look good. Yeah, not bad. The, uh, the, the transition in the, I'm, I'm 41. So back probably 20 years ago when I would watch on ESPN, they were just fat. Yeah. And then true. there was a slow transition. I forget the first guy. And I was like, that guy's got abs. Marius Pujanowski is like it, the first one that been, comes to mind. Yeah, it might have been him, yeah. Um, but, you know, like with Strongman, like at the end of the day, like I usually do my training later in the day. Um, and like the last thing I want to do is come home and eat like three different meals to get all my calories in. So sometimes I'll just stop and get a pint of Ben and Jerry's to cover two of those meals. What's, what's your go-to Ben and Jerry's flavor? Oh, see, I, I switch it up. That's the thing. So like I'll go with like the tonight dough or half baked. Oh, that half baked is the best. Yeah. yeah. But like now I'm kind of on this kick of the peanut butter fudge core. Oh yeah, that stuff in the middle oh, there. Yeah. Real. So that's that's been like my go-to lately. All right. So my wife and I fight a lot about food because we track our macros. We eat each other's food. What's it like, two men? Are you guys battling over food? Especially, I've seen pictures of Joey. He's He's a strong looking guy, but he's not your size. No, right? no. He walks around at like 185. Yeah. So you got a hundred pounds on him. Yeah. And um, it's, it's funny because like, he's actually really good with, with like following a nutrition plan in his diet. He's not going to be mad. He's listening in right now. No, so he's heating up one of his meals right now. Joey, and you're I'm okay totally, with this, right? He's yeah. Just- I'm totally the bad influence on this, yeah, you know, because I'll be like sitting around and be like, I mean, come on, we can just get some ice cream. Hey, could Joey join us for a minute? Yeah. Joey, can you join us for a second? Sure. So, I mean, it feels like out of nowhere, you guys got married in what, March, was it? Yeah, yeah. And then it was like blowing up everywhere, like world's strongest gay, you guys, like pictures of you guys kissing. Like, it was just awesome to see this blowing up. You know, take me through. What was it like for you guys? How was your wedding? And was it exciting to share with the world? You know, so it was funny, the, um, the wedding, so we've actually been engaged since like December of 2016. So we've been engaged for a while. And, um, you know, I had to get married right away. (laughs) Well, it was, you know, just like financially, we just like, initially we like, we were thinking about doing like the whole big traditional wedding and it just, we couldn't pull together. So about a month or so before we left to go to Australia for my competition, Joey was just like, why don't we just get married there? Yeah, because the, the the great picture is you guys with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that was not. I wasn't even thinking about any of that because we pl- we started planning in January and we're like, well, more so my my mom was like, oh, why don't you go somewhere like tropical and do it? And I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to do an island. And I'm like, why not do it when he's already going to be in Australia? I'm like, Australia's cool. Like I've always wanted to go there. The weather was perfect. It was like 80 degrees and sunny, so we got married on a cliff overlooking the beach. And then got to, yes, we, you know, Arnold got to celebrate with us after the wedding. 
I mean, that's pretty cool. We had Chuck Carswell at our wedding. who's big deal in CrossFit, but he's an old Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, <laughs> and I love Chuck. So, is but when you get married in Australia, do you have to do anything different to be, because, you know, we live in the States? Just no, they actually, um, since, since gay marriage is legal over there, the U.S. recognizes the marriage um, certificate from Australia. So. Oh, so, I mean, regardless, I mean, anyone can get married in Australia and it's still is yeah, legal in the United States. Over. Yeah, because we had to fill stuff out. We got married in California. I yeah. just Roz handled everything. So <laughs> while you're while you're both here, so when did you guys meet? Oh God, we met in August of 2014. Where was it? You know the millennial love story online. <laughs> what what? So on um, what kind of site? Like the only grinder. Yeah, yeah, I was a, gonna say yeah. the only site I know for gay people is Grinder. <laughs> now, but to me, when I hear that word, that's like a hookup site. That's not what totally. Oh, really? So you so how do you transition? Like you is it like a swipe right, swipe left, like like a Tinder? No, it's just like a bunch of pictures of a bunch of guys, and you click on them if you want to talk to them. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before. If I was gay, I would be very promiscuous. Like, I would be, I would be, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, it, so. When you guys connect, was it like, hey, we're just going to hook up and that's it? And then it turns blossoms it into was, a real thing? Was, you know, I think that's that might be what we were both looking for, being on that app. You know, Joey was fresh out of undergrad. Um, I had just finished my first year of grad school. I actually wasn't even out yet. I was still trying to figure out my whole situation. In 2014, you said? Yeah. Um, so we we actually just, we just talked. We just like texted for like almost three weeks before we even went on our first date. So that's different than like you swiped, hey, come over tonight. Yeah, See, yeah, totally. Was building. No, well, yeah. Because obviously no one on Grindr is like a big beefy dude. I'm like, well, I was going to say, did you like. What is this in Western <laughs> Massachusetts? Out of nowhere. Like is, is dating someone like Rob the equivalent of me dating like a really muscular woman? Like what is that like? Like you show up and you're like, what the, like this well, guy's huge. Like in like the gay community, there's not a lot of guys that are, like, big because being gay, it's, like, the stereotypical, like, oh, you have to be, if you're gay, you're feminine, and you just, like, you don't do any, like, masculine sports like that, and I was, like, oh, that's interesting because, like, I played sports, but, like, there wasn't that many gay people that I knew that played sports, so that's, that's like, kind of what draw me to him. That's, like, and then, I mean, that's a stereotype that's completely, I'm, uh, prior to Rob, I had a guy named Nunu Costa. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's the world's fastest gay. Hey, I'm the only podcast that has the world's fastest and strongest. That's wow. Like, I need to get what's like, I don't know what's next, but um, <laughs> world's most gymnastics gay. Um, but, you know, so I haven't put his episode up, but he's, I mean, strong in the CrossFit world. I mean, he's like 180 front squatting nearly 400 pounds. So oh, I think wow. that he's much leaner, just a, a smaller framed person but you're seeing that change aren't we i mean do you sure. think, oh, yeah. do you think you're gonna be the catalyst for a, a, a revolution of, of gay men being like i can be strong that's that's kind of been our entire goal you know when um when i first broke the amateur log press record at the arnold in 2015 joey came up with this idea to start the hashtag like breaking the stereotype and um we've kind of used that throughout the past few years and that's just to kind of like redefine the narrative of what people think gay is um and change people's perception you know i mean honestly like still to this day the amount of times that i walk around and people see a ring on my finger they're like oh what's your wife's name it's really awkward when i have to say well his name is joey um <laughs> but i mean 
I think I'm just naive because I'm just like I I don't know I say this like with love like I don't care like you're do your own like everyone's entitled to like do people I said the same thing to Nunu I'm like it's probably because I'm not involved in the community so I don't see that and because my personality is like hey I want to talk to Rob and talk to no different than it would be if you're married to a woman is yeah, it yeah. so it's still it's still out there in other words it's not changed sure. it's, it's improved yeah. but it's not where we want it to be. No. And I mean, I still like, I mean, I, on my social media, like I still get negative comments and messages literally really? on a daily basis. I t- it's what Joe Rogan says. 10% of people are crazy. Yeah. So you just have to ignore those people. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is there more pressure on you in the strongman world because of this? To be honest, no. Like ever since I came out, like all of my friends and everybody that we compete with have been awesome. Um, like they've accepted me. Like they've like everybody. If I go to a contest and Joey isn't there, the first thing they say isn't, "Oh, hey, Rob." It's, "Oh, where's Joey?" Um, Even you know, is he like, "Where's Joey?" <laughs> <laughs> like that. You know. So it's um. You know, there really hasn't been much pressure. I think um, us just being visible and kind of like open with our, you know, like showing the world our relationship, like we have. Um, has kind of just instilled like a lot of positivity and love in the community. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's really not a second thought to most people, which is great. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, it continues to, to pick up it and, and grow. Tell as someone that's never come out, can you talk to me about that? What is that like? I mean, it's hard. I know Nunu told me about him, but what's, you what's know, that like? For me, for me, I. What did you say, I, Joey? I said it's hard to put into words. Let's try. Let's try. I'll I'll talk about my experience first. You know, I um I'm I'm lucky because I I didn't come out till I was 22, and Joey and I were were already dating at that point. And um, I think I was just at the point in life where I was just like, you know what, this is me. This is it. I'm gonna tell the world, and if people don't like it, then they can fuck off. And I really didn't care, to be honest. So I wasn't afraid of rejection. I didn't really have that fear. Um, you know, fortunate for me, you know, like both of my parents were super excited for me and happy and, you know, welcomed Joey in with open arms. And, um, you know, I, you know, coming out for me, it was just, you know, for me to be able to say, you know, this is finally me. I'm, I'm happy with who I am. Um, and that was really it. And, you know, most of the, most of the, most of the comments that I got were super positive and loving. And, um, you know, there were a few people that, you know, obviously, you know, talk shit, but that's going to happen with any, any good news that anybody has regardless. So, um, I, I'm fortunate on that, on, you know, coming out because like I said, I just don't really thought I, I don't think I cared much about what other people thought. You know, it's funny. I'm like 41. And once you hit 40, you get like these emotional things going on inside of you. And I'm like, I get, I'm getting emotional listening because I'm just like, why? I wouldn't want anyone to not be able to be who they are. So it's awesome to hear that. Like I, you know, I couldn't imagine not being able to be me. So it's yeah, awesome, yeah. you know, really amazing to hear that your family was supportive. Were they like, we knew, we know, Rob? Yeah, my mom. My mom <laughs> definitely knew when I asked that I, when I asked if I could be a cheerleader in seventh grade. I know that's stereotypical, but, and she also said, you know, I kind of knew when you were seven years old and dancing to share with your lesbian aunt in the driveway. So that was a, a big, a big hint. And then uh, my dad, I was, you know, I was definitely a little int- intimidated at, to tell my dad because, you know, he, you know, we're originally from Brooklyn, New York. Oh yeah. Irish Catholic dude, kind of a hard ass. 
but also but also super sarcastic. And, you know, so I tell him I'm like, you know, starting to cry and I tell him that I'm gay and he looks at me without skipping a beat says, so can I still say gay jokes? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and you know, like I literally have like tears running down my face. I was like, that's what you're worried about. He's like, yeah, I don't care. So did your, when you were, when you knew you were gay, would your dad ever make like a joke and you like have to bite your tongue? After I came out or before? No, no, prior to that. Not really. Not that I can think of anyway. Yeah. But it's probably like, you know, I'm, I'm, I grew up Jewish and it's like people make Jewish jokes. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I know who I like. It's all, especially when it's your buddy. It's like, it's your buddies. Like, you know, it's coming from a good place versus people online that are just trying to be assholes. Um, Joey, what's it like as he's getting ready for a competition? So I talked to a lot of CrossFitters and, you know, one thing I tell them is I, you know, I sleep in the same bed as my wife and we'll kick each other and wake each other up accidentally. And it's so important to get a good night's sleep, I'm sure, before a strongman event, just like it is before CrossFit. Do you guys share a bed the night before a competition or do you like sleep separate so he can have his space and be ready? And what's it like supporting him? I'm sure he's crazy getting ready for a competition. I mean, we do sleep in the same, but I don't notice anything different. He passes out faster than I do. So I don't really think <laughs> sleep is bad, like hinders it, but he gets like super serious, like right before a contest. And like, I can, I can totally tell because things around the house will start like dwindling. And I'm like, Oh, like, did you do the dishes or like just small things? And like all of a sudden things are piling up and I'm just doing everything. And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just like so focused. And I'm like, okay, but you need to help me. <laughs> so I he, love it. The only that, 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 that changes is he's just so serious. I'm like, it's just, it's like a light switch. Yeah, it turns into strongman 100, like 100% of the time. And do you have to be like, hey, like spend some time with me, quality he time. Puts, like, he puts me in check. He doesn't have a problem doing that. Yeah. Have, you, have you guys done the love languages? The what? No. Oh my God, you guys have to do that. There's a book. It's got a little bit of religious undertone, so be prepared for that. But okay. The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, it's a great, great book. So we each have our own love languages. So mine is physical touch. And that, you know, granted, I like to have sex with my wife, but it's also just like, hey, pat <laughs> me on the butt, like that type of stuff. And she loves yeah. acts of service. So when I don't do the dishes, that's her love language. So really cool to understand that. So I would okay. definitely check it out. That's um, yeah, that sounds I, Joey, I would, Rob strikes me as someone that snores really loud. Is that true? Not, I feel like I snore more than he does. He just because he's such a big dude. Does he snore yeah. a lot? He doesn't really snore a lot. He, like, I don't even know if it's, like, sleep paralysis, but it's, like, <laughs> in between where he sleeps and then he'll shake and, like, jerk and, like, I twitch. He, like, hits me sometimes. And I'm like, what is happening? But no, he doesn't, he doesn't snore loud. I, I'm more of a snorer than he is. Is is there pressure from Rob to do strongman stuff? Like to do like contests and stuff? Yeah, just to, is that what you do for your own training? I mean, I'm kind of just go on the bandwagon because I saw him do strongman obviously before we even really got to know each other. And I just played soccer and ran track. So I basically just would run all the time because I didn't really know what I was doing, lifting weights until he showed me. And then I got caught up into the strongman world and I've done a couple, a couple of competitions. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm doing one at the end of July, which. He also does CrossFit though as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. What box do you go to? CrossFit Aspirations. It's in, uh, it's obviously in Massachusetts. 
Very cool. Oh, well, that, 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 this is all, I can ask a billion questions. I, <laughs> love, I love learning. I love talking to people. But let me ask you a few more strongman questions because Merle will be mad at me if I don't ask you a couple more before we wrap up. <laughs> um, so, but thank you, Joey. Um, what did Derek Poundstone do differently when he trained you that prepped World Strongman versus what you were doing prior? Um, you know, so the thing with us is, uh, you know, I, I came off a really shitty 2018 for a competition season and realized I needed to change a bunch of things. So, you know, after I competed, my last contest was in June of 2018. Um, I got hurt. I had a 275-pound Atlas stone fall on my chest, um, broke through ribs and tore muscle in my back. And that was kind of like my low where I was like, all right, things need to change. So I reached out to Derek, hired him as my coach started working with a nutrition company, started getting weekly massages, like really just amped up everything. And, um, you know, the first thing Derek said was, you know, you're, you're strong, but you know, we need to up that volume a little bit. So he put me through a three month volume and work capacity phase. That was by far the hardest 12 weeks, 12 weeks of my life. Um, I mean, I was, I would have some, some workouts took me like almost four hours to complete. Um, and that's like, you know, and I wasn't like bullshitting during them either. It was just like, there was that much stuff that had to get done and he crushed me. And I like, to this day, the hardest work that I've ever gone through. Um, one of the things Derek changes, he has me squat and deadlift on the same day and heavy. So your low back like, is just done at the end of that day, right? So a great example of that is actually my, my workout today. Um, I have to work up to, you know, set a five at like 700 on back squat. <laughs> okay. and then I have to do so at my next contest at Wembley it's also the deadlift world championships so the direct quote was a few sets of singles or doubles at 880 on deadlift um so you know though that's my typical like squat and deadlift day you know just super heavy and then after that he threw in a medley of yoke carries and sandbag carries so it was a 700 pound yoke a 225 pound sandbag and I had to carry each of them hundred feet rest 90 seconds and repeat that four times. And, you know, as a gay man, it was my first time when I had my come to Jesus moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have never been in so much pain. I couldn't breathe. I mean, it's, you know, new England in August. So the weather's not great. It's humid and hot. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was like after that fourth set, I mean, I didn't know if I needed to like lay down, sit up, like shit myself, puke, cry. I, I didn't know what, what needed to happen. I mean, you're like, doing experience. Yeah, and you're doing CrossFit just with incredibly heavy weights for the most part. I mean, it's all the same. It's yeah. all, you know, functional movements. Uh, CrossFit athletes are notoriously pretty beat up. Um, I've, I've had games athletes on that are like, their bodies are beat. What's, what does your body feel like? On a normal day? Yeah, just like any given day. Do you wake up like, oh my, like how am I going to stand up tall? How am I going to sit on this toilet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the way I used to describe it is like you feel like I hit by a truck every day. Every day. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, when you look at what we do, like in training so heavy so often, like your, your central nervous system does, just doesn't have time to recover. Um, you know, that's why I love the 10 days leading into a contest. Cause I don't have to tapering. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, are you actually, you actually take like, is it tapering or do you actually take 10 days off? I pretty much take 10 days off. Oh, well, I just eat 8,000 calories, eat Ben and Jerry's, 
That sounds like the life. Well, I'll, in that. I'll eat a little bit cleaner during those 10 days because I'm not burning as much and I don't want to, you know, look like a sloppy, bloated piece of shit when I show up to the contest. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really just 10, you know, maybe I'll do one or two workouts, but they're pretty much just like bodybuilding based. So I'm not taxing the nervous system, still recovering. Um, I'll get in the pool a little bit and swim. But um, yeah, you know, really, it's just uh, those 10 days are like crucial for my body to just like not feel like crap. Do you envision post strongman getting involved in CrossFit or would you go back to a bodybuilding type of routine? What do you think you'll do? You know, I don't know. You know, I mean, fortunately, like I'm, I'm only 27. So those, those thoughts haven't crossed my mind. You know, I'm actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm on the opposite end of those, of those thoughts, you know, cause I actually, um, I just, I just left my job and I'm committed to doing strongman full time now as my career. So, um, so yeah, you know, like, when it comes to training, you know, it's probably going to end up just more being like that barbell bodybuilding style training um, after, after my strongman career is over. Well, I'd love to see you do CrossFit. I was, so I, if you've never done your level one, I highly recommend it one day, but we talk about fitness and I, I actually gave this lecture on Saturday and the example I always use is Eddie Hall. So we talk about, you know, how if you're really good on one end, you typically lack capacity on the other end. And I would say, you know, Eddie Hall pulled 500 kilograms in that documentary. It's like 1,100 pounds. And then the same documentary, he struggled walking up a flight of stairs. Yep. But it sounds like you, you know, are doing a pretty good job with maintaining cardiorespiratory stamina. I mean, yeah, you know, that's one of the things that I really, I pride myself on is being one of the lighter guys. I mean, yeah, like statically, I'm, I'm strong relatively, but, um, you know, where I, where I make up a lot of points and a lot of room in these contests is on the medleys and the conditioning events, because I'm only carrying 280 pounds as opposed to their, you know, 400 pounds. Um, I can move quicker. My transitions are better. I catch my breath a little bit easier. Um, so when it comes to like conditioning stuff, yeah, you know, I, I tend to be, I tend to be pretty good and I stay up with that. Very cool. So I ask every guest that I have on the same question. I always ask if you have a book recommendation that, that the listeners can check out. To be honest, not really. <laughs> All right, that's fair. It's, such a, it's a meathead answer, I know. But <laughs> so, sometimes I send that question early because a lot of people are like, I don't read so much. But I have one for you. Check out those love languages. Yeah, no, de- I'm, I'm definitely going to check that it out. It was a lo- game changer in a previous relationship, and then I use it all the time. So um, awesome. this was really awesome. Anything that I missed that you wanted to share? You know, This is primarily CrossFitters. Any, anything you wanted to share with them? No, I mean, you know, the biggest thing, you know, I think, you know, with CrossFit especially is, um, you know, the one thing I love so much about the CrossFit community is their, their willingness to learn about, you know, so many different things. Um, you know, so, you know, kind of, especially in the strongman world, we're actually seeing a lot of CrossFitters jump into these like novice strongman contests. So if anybody's interested or in the New England area, you know, feel free to reach out and um, hop in and do this stuff. It's a lot of fun. Um, and who doesn't like to lift heavy shit every once in a while? Yeah, I mean, so I took Rob Orlando's. Do you know Rob Orlando? Yeah. So I took I took his inaugural seminar back before it was CrossFit, you know, a CrossFit seminar, and we bought all these stones and yokes and the Hoosevelt, and the women at the box loved it. Yeah. And we, you know, we we have a a girl there at the box that I sold. She's her name's Kat Toniati. And I think in the amateur division, she's like one of the best in the world now. And it was just incredible to see this woman, you know, she was heavier at the time, shrink, but gets so strong. And just, it's fun watching. I like watching men lift, but it's more fun to watch women that are 
that never lifted and just come in and realize what they can do with their bodies. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And, you know, the best part about Strongman is the community is a lot like CrossFit, where it's like, you know, we want everybody to succeed regardless, you know, so, you know, we, we're, we're lucky to be in, you know, arguably the only two sports where you're competing against somebody, but cheering them on at the same time. And that's the beautiful thing about strongman. It's, you know, it, it looks super intimidating from the outside looking in as this hyper-masculine, scary sport with a bunch of big dudes lifting up a bunch of weight. But at the end of the day, like my best friends are in this sport. And like I said, you know, like I'm competing against them, but I'm also cheering them on to do their best. So that's, that's the best thing. And that's where you can draw the, the parallels between CrossFit and strongman. Absolutely. This was awesome. Please tell Joey, I said, you know, to have a great rest of the day. You enjoy your half-baked tonight. Oh, I, I definitely will. <laughs> Isn't it great when you're digging through the half-baked and you get one of those brownies? Oh, and, and it's, it's magic. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So <laughs> I'll eat it after my deadlifts tonight. <laughs> well, good luck with those deadlifts. I Thank think you. your, your squat is my total, actually, now that I think about it. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty, I guess it's is what it is but um it was this was really great i'm gonna i'm gonna actually try to get this up sooner than later because i you know i didn't realize i didn't coordinate it purposely during pride month but i'd really like to get i'm gonna try to get you and nunu up yeah that'd be the awesome. end of june and uh and yeah this has just been so amazing i'm happy to have talk to you so much thanks rob you got it thanks again for listening to best hour of their day take a moment head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to best hour of their day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day.